Hello and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson and I am joined, as always, on the other line by Anthony Chang, writer here at the Herald. Anthony, what's up? Not too much, David. How are you? Doing pretty good. Um, been a busy uh, couple of weeks here, right? Uh, in the sports world, obviously, uh, hurricanes are their own adventure every day. Uh, Dolphins are uh, quite an adventure right now um, with Tua and Deshaun Watson and that whole situation. Uh, the winter sports, as we kind of predicted, have kind of saved us a little bit, although uh, this Joel Quenville, developing Joel Quenville situation with the Panthers has, has put a little bit of a damper on that uh, 6-0 and start they have. Uh, they, we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon, so they'll play tonight. Um Joe Quenville's supposed to meet with the uh, commissioner tomorrow, so might, might have to put a hold on the Panthers minute because it's a developing situation this week. Um, but the Heat, uh, they're the smoothest team in town right now, 2-1, and one, looking kind of as promised. I think that's the way I would kind of describe what, what's been encouraging about this start, right? This is the team that I think when we saw this roster they put together and we knew what the kind of heights they had a chance to reach, uh, we figured it was going to look kind of something like this, and, and that's uh, – that's playing fast with Kyle Lowry in there. That is uh, a true big three, really kind of feeling big three-ish. Obviously not not Heat, LeBron, Wade, big three, Le- LeBron, Wade, Bosh, big three, but but feeling like they really drive this this thing, and uh, Kyle Lowry's influence has been just massive, and I think exceeded even the expectations that, uh, that I had coming in for it. Obviously only two games in for him, but uh, it's looked good so far. Yeah, I think that's all right, and and I sh- we should note that we're recording this before um, Wednesday night's game against the Nets. So if the Heat get blown out by thirty on Wednesday night, um, we did not know that <laughs> we recorded this. Um, but yes, yeah. I, I think I think that was I think that was one of the uh, one of the the, po- the positives entered the season for the Heat that you you kind of knew what this team was going to be, right? Like there's been so many of the in recent seasons where you're like, we don't know what this, you know, there's so many different variables, we don't know what the rotation is going to look like, we don't know what roles are going to look like. It was pretty different. Even though there were so many new guys, you kind of knew where each guy stood in the rotation pretty much, what their role was going to be, how this team was going to play, how they were going to win. And that's pretty much how it's looked um, through the first three games. It's kind of one benefit of being thin, right? These teams have been, you know, how many times have we talked about it, that that Spo doesn't like to have set rotations? Um, And, you know, a guy like, Kelly Olynyk will will start for a week and then feels like he barely plays the next week. Um, this team, he has kind of had no choice but to play of the like nine, ten guys he has, right? Because there's there's no other magic magic option sitting at the end of the bench ready to to come in and play a big role. And obviously uh, that'll hurt you if if one of these guys gets hurt at some point. We saw it when Kyle Lowry was out uh, against Indiana, the team felt a lot thinner. And obviously that's an extreme example when you lose Lowry, but um, it is kind of the one one perk of this this roster as, as it's constructed is it's you're gonna it's gonna look the same every night kind of yeah as long as they stay healthy you know what the rotation is gonna be and, and yeah Gabe Benson's kind of probably that tenth man yeah. on the roster that you know if Kyle's hurt obviously he'll probably start to keep the bench rotation and you know set like like Eric Schwartz likes to do um, and even in situ- situations where you need some you know perimeter defense you could put Gabe in there like they did last season in certain spots so I think I still think Gabe is a kind of like on the fringe of the rotation. But, yeah, you know those first nine you know, off the bench is going to be Tyler, Deadman, Markeith, yeah. and Max. You know the starting five, obviously. So um, that there's 
it's it's kind of set right now, and, and everyone kind of knows their role, which is always good with the Heat because the Heat is you talk to guys who have been on this team in the past or on this team right now. The Heat love like they want guys to be stars in their roles. I know it's cliche, but they really really emphasize that. You know, like guys just sticking playing within their roles, and you've seen guys leave the Heat and kind of say, "Well, I kind of was in a box, and you know they didn't let me do this and let me do that." But that's kind of what that's that's their way of of playing and and kind of um, their approach. Um, with trying to build um, a, a scheme each season is just trying to find a specific role for a guy and having that guy play the best they can in that role. And I think that's that because of the veteran experience on this team and the returning players that um, that this team has, um, I think that's an advantage uh, that he'd have at, you know early on in the season. Well, we're gonna we're gonna play a little game of buy or sell this week uh, to kick off the the early part of the season. And I think the best example of, of what you're talking about with guys being stars in their role, I think, fits this first this first uh, prompt we have here. And that is uh, buy or sell Kyle Lowry as an MVP candidate. And first of all, I'm going to say I sell that. But uh, if you do buy it, um, it's because of what you're saying. It's because he is a star in his role, right? He It's all yeah. circumstantial with him. He's obviously not the best player in the league. He's probably not even the best player on this team. Um, But he has found this team so badly needed a guy like him. And, uh, you know, if this team, you know, they're two and one right now as we're talking. And like you said, maybe it's two and two by the time those people are listening to this. Um, But if this team is the third seed in the East or maybe even higher, let's say they get to the second seed, um, Kyle Lowry is going, even if he's not the best player on this team, and, and again, I think he's probably third best, he's going to get a lot of the credit for that because he is a perfect fit. It's a perfect circumstance for him. The Heat needed him, and he's delivering exactly what the Heat needed right now. Yeah, I, I, I sell that because I, I do, I also believe that Kyle is the third best player in this team, but I think he's the most important player in this team. Yeah. If that makes any sense. You can kind of see that. I mean, it's obviously, we haven't had the full. Uh, control group, I guess, for this, but you can see it in the Indiana game where uh, it just did not feel as did not feel as smooth. Yeah, and I'm sure, I mean, yeah, without Bam and it was, Bam, right, exactly. We haven't seen what it looks like without without Jimmy or without without Bam, but um, the way that Kyle elevates everyone else is is obviously evident. Yeah, and, and it just the way he elevates Jimmy and Bam in specific, That's right? Too, um, yes. Just because, I mean, the offense without him in that Indiana game looked like last season's offense. Bam working at the elbows. I mean, he was aggressive in spots, but not as aggressive as he has been. Kyle's been on the floor. Jimmy kind of initiating things, um, playing on the ball. Without With Kyle in there, I mean, Bam is not having to facilitate. Jimmy is playing off the ball and kind of just working in – chaos pretty much which he loves to do like he just this random situations and and taking advantage of different switches and, and just different things like that where having Kyle setting things up allows him to do that um it, it's it's like a different Bam and Jimmy when Kyle is playing um and that's huge um for this team he he elevates not only every every guy around him but really the Bam and Jimmy the impact has on Bam and Jimmy is is the most important so yeah, I think he is the most important player on the team. Most important player on the team. I mean, you look at the pace he's playing with. You know, when he's on the court, the Heat are like one of the faster top ten in pace, and when he's off the court, they're one of the slowest teams, like they were last season. So yeah. he just changes the way the the offense looks 
Um, and then defensively, we all know he's a really good um, and tough defender. And the Heat have needed that point of attack defender for the past few years. So Kyle, um, he's, I think he has 14 points in two games, and he's shooting 26% from the field. Um, but his impact has been very positive despite um, those shooting struggles. Yeah. Uh, number two on here, speaking of defense, the Heat's defense is elite. Do you buy or sell? I buy that. Yeah, um, that's, that seems like a no-brainer to me on here. Yeah, it's, it's only been three games, so obviously you'll take this one oh, But And again, one injury. I think that's the the one thing that just – we've touched on it at the top, but it's the one thing that just hovers over the team is one injury right. really, really real things. challenging for this team. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, I mean, they, if they get Victor Oladipo back and they stay relatively healthy, then right, all of a sudden it, it can work the other way, right? Um, but, yeah, I agree. I mean, one one injured one of those top three guys, and this team looks a lot different. Um, and the expectations for this team is a lot different. Um, but, yeah, defensively, I think if everyone's healthy, they're an elite team. Right now they're the top defensive rating in the NBA. Even in their loss, I mean, their defense was very dominant. They held the Pacers to eight points in the third quarter and I think like 30 points in the second half. Um, just to make that a game and send it into overtime. Um, against Milwaukee, we know what they did in that, in that blowout win. Against the Magic, you know, the Magic aren't a good team, but they did what they were supposed to do, and defensively they were also just very good. I mean, they just have a lot of good defenders, and for the past few years, again, that's been the conversation of can this team defend, just be an average defensive team um, to to win, you know, to win games behind their offense. Now it's kind of the other way around, where it's like can this team score enough points to 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 win behind its defense. Um, so I, I expect this team to be a top five um, defense. We kind of said that entering the season, and that definitely hasn't changed through the first yeah. week. Yeah, well, um, the real thing is that this goes back to the bubble team that went to the finals. Is It always felt like the team had their offense lineup and their defense lineup, right? Like, I mean, I think once they right. got Iguodala, they closed like they closed with a really bad offensive lineup typically, uh, where it was like Iguodala was out there, uh, Bam and Jimmy obviously good offensive players, but uh, we've obviously harped on their shooting struggles and the way that affects the offense a lot. Um, now they've got you just throw Kyle Lowry in again. This is another place where Lowry is, is huge, and that is, you know, with. In the last couple of years, when let's say Goran, he's obviously he's taking Goran's place, and Goran, you can say he's probably a comparable offensive player to Kyle Lowry in some ways, um, at least in terms of like shooting, scoring, that kind of thing, like running a half court offense. Uh, I, I think Kyle obviously has helped this team in the, the pace department in a way that Goran, at least at this stage in his career, couldn't. Um, but you're not sacrificing defense when you have Kyle out there, right? In the same way that you were sacrificing defense when you had Goron out there. Um, obviously, you know, P.J. Tucker, just swap him in for Andre Iguodala. It's probably a slight upgrade, ultimately, even if he's basically a zero on offense. And, you know, not that Iguodala was, was much more than a zero, but I think he gave you a little bit more on offense. Um, you know, Markeith Morris, I, I've always been a Markeith guy. Bring some of that toughness. Um, I'm not sure, like, what his defensive metrics and all that kind of stuff say right now, but... Um, I've always just liked him as like an as a his personality obviously fits and and I think fits with that defensive attitude. Um, and then you know Tyler Hero just marginally getting better. Duncan Robinson just marginally getting better defensively. Um, I've always liked Struess kind of as a defender with uh, 
at least the, the potential to be a, a decent defender. You know, they all these guys, you obviously get the one big upgrade going from Goran to Kyle defensively, and then everyone else is just kind of marginal, and it's all added up uh, to the point where you're not forced at this point to play offense versus defense. You can play one good closing lineup that gives you some of both, um, and just everyone is a little bit better, and, and obviously, you know, Bam gets better every year, and Jimmy hasn't lost a step yet. So uh, I think across the board, it makes sense that this team has taken a big leap forward there, as we kind of expected. But I think it maybe looks even better than, than we thought it would because of some of the marginal improvements but from some of those other guys who, who had big question marks defensively. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Like, I'm, I'm looking at the, the the numbers now for the Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson lineups, and, and there have been so many times in the past few years where, like, those two guys cannot play together because their liabilities on defense and teams are going to find them and take advantage of them. Um, but with so many good two-way players on this team, the Heat is able to hide them a little bit better, and they don't, you know, those switches that one, you know, one back in the day, like, you know, they would easily switch onto a guy. Like, teams aren't getting those easy switches anymore from the Heat. Like, P.J. Tucker's fighting over that screen. Kyle Lowry's fighting over that screen um, to keep Tyler Hero and Duncan out of the out of the action. And also, like you said, Duncan and Tyler have improved yeah, that little bit of weight makes a difference for but, Tyler. That you know, Duncan yeah. I, has always, I think, had good instincts and everything defensively. Um, obviously, his long arms, all that kind of stuff. I think there's obviously some physical limitations with him. I think he'd be the first person to tell you that. But like those guys are getting better, which makes they're sense. Right they're in their uh, third, third and fourth years, years respectively. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and the, and the defensive numbers and those two guys are on the court. Ninety point one defensive rating, which is obviously very very good. Right. Um, it's only three games. It's only been it's forty four minutes, which is not a good amount for three games. Yeah, uh, but that shows you that he aren't afraid to play them together. I mean, that's an average of what like 13, 14, 14 minutes a game that those two are on the court um, together. Yeah, and, and I've mean, thought all along this team's best closing lineups are going to have both those guys on the court um, because of like as we've talked about, like I said, the shooting limitations of of Jimmy and Bam. You can run those two guys at the other three, and I know P.J. Tucker probably is going to be in there for Duncan or, or Tyler a lot. And then obviously Victor Oladipo changes things if and when he gets back. But, um, I mean, that's a, an elite offensive lineup, and if that can be good on defense like it is right now, uh, that's that's huge. Yeah, that's that's an that's an impressive number that probably we should monitor throughout the season how that, how those uh, Duncan Tyler lineups do. But right now, through three games again, um, very effective um, and even more effective defensively and offensively, which is kind of surprising. I'm sure that will turn around as the season goes on. But they have not been uh, bad defensively when they've been on the court. Those two have been on the court, which is a good sign for the Heat. Speaking of Tyler Hero, uh, buy or sell Tyler Hero is the favorite for sixth man of the year. That's your bold prediction, right? It was. I think I, I think I kind of push you into that. You kind of pushed me into it, but yeah. I'm, I think my initial prediction wasn't bold enough, so we settled on that. Yeah, which it looks now doesn't look that bold right now, actually. I mean, um, I've seen him; he was a popular preseason pick in like some of the ESPN, like when they you know when they do their picks and all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, so. it, it looks like he's definitely gonna be a candidate, right? I mean, I don't know if he's the favorite, but I definitely buy that he's gonna be a candidate. A real true candidate that people talk about for that award this season, just because of his scoring ability and his role with his team. Like he's the primary offensive option for different parts of the game. Um, how many yeah. shots did he take against the Pacers? Like twenty something shots in like thirty minutes. I mean, he, he's gonna he puts up a lot of shots. He's gonna score points, 
And you can tell he's also getting better, you know, with his playmaking. I mean, the, some of the passes he makes, now that teams are are um, paying more attention to him and, and trying to get the ball out of his hands, and then the reads he makes, I mean, they, it's been probably equally as impressive as as his efficiency, uh, his shooting efficiency. So he looks all, very improved. Um, it's, you know, last year I know we talked about kind of this is an important season for Tyler. He's out, He's eligible for an extension in the offseason. You know, he was, I guess, in some people's eyes, very disappointing last year, even though his numbers were not bad. Um, he's been in trade rumors, but he looks like a guy who could, who really, I don't want to go back to the Devin Booker comparison, but I see shades of Devin Booker when I watch Tyler Hero play on offense. Yeah, he definitely, like, he's doing a Devin Booker impression to an extent, right? Like, that's, I mean, he's, there's no secret, right, that that's been his, his guy. He models that's his guy. Name. Yeah, that's um, his guy. And yeah, I mean he's he's and gonna smart people who looked beyond just the white shooter. That was a pretty common comparison for him coming out of the draft. Um, and again, he's probably never gonna be as good as Devin Booker, but if he gives you some of that, like if he does a Devin Booker impression, that's that's a, that's a t- pretty typical six man of the year profile. I'll say this for twenty one years old, his offensive like bag, his offensive skill set, very very skilled. Yeah. Um, he and yeah, he's like a non superstar. Like obviously there are guys who come into the league and by twenty one they're superstars already. Like, but he's it's you know it's it's a you know the the guy when you when you think of the NBA Six Man of the Year award, who are the guys you think of? Think of Jamal Crawford. You think of J.R. Smith. Uh, you know Jordan Clarkson obviously won it last year. He's in that similar mold, and uh, Tyler is right in that mold with, with those guys. Yeah, and we should probably say, too, I, I know he's coming off the bench and he's going to be eligible for a six-man-of-the-year award. But really, he's not really a bench player. He wants to be a starter. He's an, he's eventually going to be an NBA starter. But he's playing 32 minutes a game. He's second on the team in minutes. Like, yeah, he's a bench player, but he's really probably starter for this team, like, in, right. when you really think about it. Because he finishes a lot of the games, and he's going to play more minutes than most guys um, in the starting lineup. Um, so this looks like it's going to be a big year for Tyler. Um and he, you know, it looks like he's really um, elevated his game um, since last season. Yeah, it doesn't look like the odds have changed at all since the start of the season, which obviously makes sense. We're three, four games yeah. for his teams. Uh, but in the preseason, according to sportsbettingdime.com, he was uh, tied for third. Jordan yeah, Clarkson was the favorite. Joe Ingles second. And he was tied with Derrick Rose and Patty Mills. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, that, right that's what of, your, right your prediction Super. wasn't bold enough, I don't think. I think you got to make another prediction. Yeah, maybe I do. Next true six man of the year. All right, there you go. That, that's bold. I like yeah. that. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, uh, buy or sell a heat offense built around mid-range shots. 
that's obviously uh, a lot of these guys' strengths, including Tyler Hero, including Jimmy Butler, including, uh, you know, we talked a lot, I think, last week or two weeks ago about Bam and his mid-range game. Byers saw an offense built around the mid-range, a lost start. I don't know. This this has me a little concerned with the Heat. Yeah, it's probably the biggest, like, the one nitpick I think there is with this team right now. Yeah. Um, according to cleanintheglass.com, they have... It was also, I believe, like, your nitpick with Tyler Hero in the preseason was, like, he's taking too many mid-range jumpers. Right, and he hasn't, he still is, even in the regular he season. Is, yeah. He's not really getting to the rim that much. Um, he's taking more threes, but he's still taking a lot of mid-range jumpers. He's making a good amount, but you just wonder how sustainable that is. And I, that's my worry with the Heat. Um, like you said, they have a lot of guys who take mid-range shots. They have a lot of good mid-range shooters. I mean, Jimmy's a good mid-range oh, shooter. Sam is a good mid-range shooter. Markeith Morris, all of a sudden, I wrote about that today um, on Wednesday, is being used in the mid-range, and he's played well in that role as well early on. Um, and Tyler Hero. Um, but the, the Heat have the highest percentage of their shots from the mid-range this season so far. 42% of their shots are mid-range shots. Um, Who's second? Like, what? How, how far ahead of everyone else is that? Second is San Antonio, which is not a surprise. I think oh, they yeah, were San Antonio. Yeah, they were. At 37%. Uh, Although they don't have DeMar DeRozan anymore, who obviously inflated that a lot last year. Right. And, yeah, but they just – I don't know why. San Antonio just never shoots that many threes, which is weird. Yeah, um, yeah so the San Antonio second, Atlanta's third at 37%, which is a little surprising because of Trey. And, again, this is a three-game sample size for the right, game. But yeah. I, I, do, I do think they're probably going to finish somewhere high on this list just because of the players they have on their roster. Um, you would like to see them get to the rim, rim a little bit more. Um, they're 27th in percent of rim attempts, you know, compared to their overall shots, which is not great. And then threes, they're 26. So their shot profile, not great as an offense. They don't take many shots to the rim. They don't take many threes, but they take a ton of mid-range shots. And that's a little concerning, I think, um, if that continues. I don't know if that will continue. You hope you, know, you would hope they take more threes um, and more rim shot, more shots to the rim, but that's probably not a sustainable formula for this team. I'm going to say I sell it in the regular season. I kind of buy it in the playoffs, though, right? Like, the mid-range is a lot the more Suns. important in the playoffs. Yeah, the, I mean, I think if you, if you looked every year, the – Every team's numbers, I would guess, tick up in the playoffs, the the percentage of mid-range shots. Um, when the defense becomes – it was always – I remember it was like always the cr- criticism – or always the, the rationale for why uh, Randy Whitman coached Wizards teams tended to be a little better in the playoffs because they were shooting mid-range jumpers all year long, and then when the playoffs got there – That's what's uh, there for you. They were ready. Yeah, it's, it's what's yeah. there for you. Um, guys who can shoot – you know, that's, that is – I'm – Whenever we were talking about Bam in the mid-range, I don't remember if it was last week or two weeks ago, I'd mentioned, like, Kevin Durant, the best mid-range shooter in the league. He is great because he's good at getting the rim and he's good at getting shoot threes. He's the, the best player in the league because he can hit that mid-range jump shot. That's, you know, when when playoff time comes, that's what separates the superstars from the the guys who are really good players. That's, that's basically, you know, it's, when you think of Jimmy's run, when, when he comes out of the finals, everyone's like, he is a top-ten player. It's because he can score from any level, basically. Obviously, he doesn't shoot the threes, but he can make tough shots that you need in the playoffs. So I, I think the Heat, and I, this isn't breaking any new ground, I think most people would agree with this, are built better for the playoffs than they are for the regular yeah. season. Um, and I think this that's part of it, is that Jimmy, I know he was obviously really bad in the Bucks series last year, but 
historically is a guy who's better in the playoffs than he is even in the regular season. Um, we'll see if Tyler Hero, you know, Tyler Hero in the very small sample size of his career has the same profile you know, where, where he really went off in his first playoffs. We'll see if he's a guy who, as his career goes on, becomes a guy who is a more valuable playoff player than he is a regular season player. Obviously, in the regular season, you want to chuck threes because you get that variance. Um, you know, how, that's how bad teams win games on any given night is they make more threes than their opponent. So the Heat, because they play this way, will probably have some ugly losses along the way. Like you said, hopefully they that number comes down a little bit. Um, but I think come playoffs time, it doesn't concern me as much. What I, what does concern me, I guess, is how little they're getting to the rim, right? Because that is always priority yeah. number one. Is right. If you're not going to make a ton of threes, about, fine. But I don't care to, about threes. Yeah, you got yeah, to get to, get to the rim. Right. You have to get to the rim and draw fouls and just – yeah, you have to do one or the other, right? You have to either take a lot of threes and make a lot of threes, or you have to at least get to the rim and be effective there. But if you're not doing both, you have an issue. Where did you say um, they rank in, in rim attempts? Rim attempts, they are – a second. Is it all according to cleaning the glass? Um, they are 27th in rim attempts. Yeah, like they've got to be better than that. Yeah. I mean, they have enough, they have the guys in their roster that they should be better at that. Right, um, yeah. If you look at – I'm looking at their roster right now. So, Jimmy's getting to the rim. 41% of his shots are at the rim, which is a good, a good number. Bam is getting to the rim, 34%. Tyler Hero, 13% at the rim, 51% in the mid-range. Probably not – yeah, that. Not I mean, again, it's been good so far, but we and we know he can get to the rim. He's a, historically a great finisher at the rim right. too. Right. Um, Kyle Lowry, six percent at the rim. He really hasn't even taken that many shots. He's been more yeah, okay. passer, but six percent at the rim, sixty-one percent from three. So I think he's taken a lot of threes. Um, but yeah, I mean, you need you need one of the others. So again, it's only three games. I'm not like sounding the alarm. I, I'm sure it'll probably balance out somewhere. Um, but it is interesting how they and, – and it doesn't – it's not surprising because, like we've said, like they have a lot of mid-range – guys who like shooting from the mid-range and work in the mid-range. Um, but there has to be at least more rim attempts and better success at the rim or where's, – Where's our free throw numbers at right now? Um, Free throw numbers. Let's look. Because that is something yeah. that they've also done to like kind of on the margins be a Make better offense in their profile yeah. shows. I don't have the percentage, you know, compared to, like, their pace and all that, but they're just raw numbers. They're averaging 21.3 free throws a game, which ranks 11th. Yeah, um, so that's pretty good. And, you know, I would guess they're they're not, like, way up at the top in pace either. So that, that probably No, they're not. That's, they're like, not. a pretty accurate indication probably of how good they are at getting to the rim so far in this season. Um, yeah. And, 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 and two or three games, the offense hasn't looked bad because I think they're like 14th in offensive rating, which is probably what you expect them to be yeah. uh, based on their roster. They're shooting 49% in the mid-range, which is third best in the league. So they're shoot, they're shoot, they have the most mid-range shots, and they're shooting the third best in the mid-range, which is good. I mean, if that continues, then you'll be okay. But I, I just don't ex- – you don't expect the team to shoot 49% from the mid-range. I mean, that's going to go down. So um, that's why, you know, you kind of – you worry about a little bit if that continues. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons worth like it's worth mentioning is it is something in the preseason we thought was a possibility, right? Like those those preseason numbers. Again, it's preseason. How much do you really care? But but that was the kind of the one concern. I remember you you flagged it coming out of the preseason was got a little bit better shot profile. Um, and again, they probably will rank in the top five in mid range shooting percentage. Um, I think the 
the uh, rim numbers will have to, you know, they'll inevitably go up as the team gets a little bit more comfortable with Kyle Lowry and all that stuff. Um, and those free throw numbers will help even it out a little bit. You know, Jimmy gets a lot of his free throws in the mid-range kind of, right? He's, he's, they're not just crashing to the basket necessarily. He's, he's like being crafty to pick them up. So uh, I'm not totally concerned about the offense, obviously. But, uh, it, yeah, it's worth flagging, and, and it's something they've got to get better at if they want to, in the regular season at least, uh, make a run for, for a top-two seed in the East. Uh, yeah, last sure. one, we, one other thing, I want to make one note that wasn't on the uh, agenda, David. Um, rebounding. We've spoken about this, but yeah. through three games, the signs, the signs have been encouraging. Um, Third-best rebounding percentage in the NBA after, like, I think last season they were, like, either the worst or second-worst in the NBA at that. Um, big reason for that is Bam averaging 14 rebounds a game, yep. which is really interesting. I mean, nine rebounds. Yeah, he averaged nine rebounds in the year before, averaging 14 right now through the first three games. Um, so that's a good sign for the Heat because they they needed some. They needed to get their shot attempts up. They did not get many shot attempts up last year yeah. because of their pace and re- the rebounding issues. Their pace is a little bit up, and the rebounding numbers are better. So that has helped in that area. Last one we've got on here. Speaking of Bam, Bam is the most improved player on this team by herself. I sell that only because I don't know how – I mean, he's improved, obviously. But I think his biggest improvement has been just his approach. He, he's he's being more assertive. Um, and maybe it's because he's playing next to Kyle, like we've talked about, which allows him to do that. Um, but I think a lot of stuff he's doing right now, he could do, he could have done last year. And we saw it in stretches last year. It was just the approach the approach he's taking this year is more consistently uh, – more to be more consistent – to be more aggressive consistently, which is – what kind of we've been asking from him um, since last season. Um, so I sell that because I, I think, like, Tyler Hero might be the most improved player on this team. Um, but I do think Bam is better, definitely rebounding-wise. And, again, that might be because he's playing next to bigger bodies now, like P.J. Tucker and Markeith Morris, where, you know, I talked to Bam about this, and he said last year a lot of the times teams would send two guys to box him out, take him out, and, you know, there would be nobody else with the rebound. Now – Teams can't do that because, you know, guys are crashing the glass a little bit more and you have bigger, tougher bodies and, like, you know, Markeith in there that, that take up space and can get the rebound himself, that it's, it's freeing Bam up. So I think it's it's more just mindset and personnel that's allowing Bam to be uh, better this season. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good way to put it. No, obviously, like, mindset is a part of most improved, right? Like, First of all, like, the cliche with the guys who, like, win most improved player every year is, is just the guy who's, like, shot attempts go up a certain number. Um, but it's also, you know, some of it is circumstance like that. But some of that is that, that attitude, right? You, 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 you've gained confidence in your full skill set to, to use it all the time. And, you know, sometimes improvement can just be refining. And I, I think it's possible that BAM is more refined. You know, it just feels, you know, a, a certain spin move for like, for example, not that he's like used the spin move a ton, but like whatever, like in the past, a player might've only had a confidence that that spin move is going to work 60% of the time. If you, they, if you just refine that and get it up to 80, it can look like you haven't had anything, but, but it can mean you've gotten better. Um, and I think that's probably part of BAM's natural growth. It's part of most players, natural growth. Um, uh, I think probably just a little bit more confidence in his handle or whatever going downhill, that probably helps. But, yeah, I think you're, you know, flagging Tyler Hero is probably, like, the obvious one. If he wins sixth man of the year, um, he's going to be in that most improved player conversation. I know we're, we, I, I, it feels like that, that 
rule or that that award kind of has ebbs and flows where sometimes it goes to stars, sometimes it goes to role players who elevate. But didn't Giannis win it two years ago? I don't remember who won it last year. Like there, there was a run where it was like all stars winning it every year. Um, you know, I don't know if Tyler will like be in the award race, but in an alternate universe and an alternate, you know, 15 years ago, he might've been, uh, based on the way that that award used to get handed out because, uh, He's going to be the guy whose shot attempts probably go up a little bit. His efficiency is going to go up a little bit. Uh, and like you said, he's, he looks better, uh, more competent all around. Um, so I, I think I'll sell Bam as the most improved player on the team too, um, with the caveat that, that it's hard to know exactly what improvement is, right? It's hard for, for us from the outside to know. You know, it's easy to see when a guy starts shooting threes, right? Like that would have been the – it almost would have been an easier case for Bam if he came out and shot two threes a game. Um, but now, but instead, if he's just better kind of across the board, um, then, then I think it, it maybe gets underrated how much he, he has improved. Um, again, we don't know. We're three games in, but but I think that's worth mentioning. Yeah, and I think you brought the threes. Zero threes so far. Yeah, um, exactly. So all that, all that talk about. That's fine, right? Again, if you you improve in other areas, you're fine. Exactly. And he's, he's, like we talked about, he's brought his game closer to the basket. His post moves look better. He looks more comfortable in that area. Um, Getting more rebounds. He's he's playing closer to the rim. He's not maybe switching as much on the perimeter on defense. Um, So all those things are good. Um, And I think my bold prediction was that he was going to be the leading scorer for this team. I don't know if that's going to be the case now that I see uh, Tyler Hero play and Jimmy. Um, But I, I do think that he's gonna his like status in the NBA um, is gonna be elevated by the end of the season. Like he's gonna be considered a top ten, fifteen player in the NBA too, just because of his defense, the combination of his defense and his offense. I I, I just think he's that good. Bam Adebayo, for what it's worth, I'm looking now at the odds was not on the like preseason most improved player odds that I'm looking at, uh, which is not not surprising, but yeah, not surprising. Was, he was so hard the last few years. Yeah. yeah. Favorite is Michael Porter Jr. Interesting. Which kind of makes sense because he's he's the guy who's gonna he's kind of the classic get more shot attempts because yeah. Jamal Murray's out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and he, and he, I mean he's a very I mean he's he, he's well regarded in the NBA. Tied like, for second, Kevin Porter Jr. and Jordan Poole. I mean, Kevin Porter is just because he's gonna get all the shots with Houston, yeah. right? I, I don't know. I just I don't yeah, think like you talk, I don't worth feels like where we give the award now, right? If like you take the leap from being a star to being a borderline superstar, that's when you get the award these days. Yeah. I don't think you should get the award just because you get more shots because your team is not as good or something like that, right? I mean, it has to be more than that, which is why I'm okay with guys like Giannis getting it because they're truly improved. Like it's not just because their role changes because they've got a lot better. Like you said, they've elevated right. from star to superstar, and I'm I'm okay with that. The award kind of being handed out to a player like that. Yeah, rather than a guy who went from being a guy who doesn't play at all to uh, like a role player or whatever. Yeah. Right. Exactly. All right, I think we can wrap things up there. Uh, you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. Got anything else for us, Anthony? Um, that's it. I mean, I I have a um. A story coming up on Tyler Hero probably later this week where he talks about his goals for this season and spoiler alert, six man of the year, most improved on that list. So keep an eye out for that. Um, I think it'll be an interesting read uh, for Heat fans. You can follow me on Twitter at DBWilson2. 
I'm on the Panthers a lot these days. 6-0 and as we record this. We'll see what happens tonight. We'll see what happens with Joel Quenville. Check out MiamiHerald.com for all your coverage of that. NFL trade deadline coming up in a week. Uh, sure to be eventful, I would say. It feels like every day. I'm, I mean, Anthony, you're a, you're, a, you're a lifelong Dolphins fan, so I know this has been a trying time for you. But it feels yeah, like I mean, every I'm, day I'm, something. I'm almost just numb to everything at this point. Yeah. I mean, it, nothing surprises me anymore. My friends who have, like, they've been in and out of um, being a Dolphins fan. Like, sometimes they're a Dolphins fan. Sometimes they'll, they'll, like, adopt another team, and then they'll come back. And I'm like, why are you doing this to yourself? Just, like, yeah. just stay away. <laughs> but, no, it, this is nothing new. I mean, it's it's this has been for the past, what, 20 years. I think their last playoff win was, like, in 2001, which is kind of crazy. I was uh, 12 years old. Um, I haven't seen the Dolphins win a playoff game since I was in middle school, which is crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. And two look pretty good, and it's I've listened to the the Dolphins in depth podcast, I guess for for more Dolphins talk, but um, yeah, not not a fun time to be following that team these days. I don't think for anyone. I um I thought entering the season, I really thought they were going to be a good team, um, and I still think they have a good roster. I, I just don't. Know. I mean, they're losing a bunch of close games. Obviously, two injury hurt them. Um, just been really surprised because um. I'm kind of out. The most optimistic I've been about the Dolphins entering a season in a long time. Kind of out on this roster. I wrote about it on Sunday, actually. Like when you look at this roster, they have like one and a half Pro Bowlers basically on it, right? Like it's deep, I guess, but they just don't have that star power other than X and like Byron Jones, sort of. Yeah, right. That's 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 fair. I mean, you were hoping that some of the receivers would kind of step into that, but they haven't yeah. really. Gasecki's yeah. very good, I think. Yeah, Gasecki's the other guy, and Jason Sanders, I guess. Or right. the other guys in that conversation, but um, yeah. that's, all right, that's that's, that's enough Dolphins talk. Uh, <laughs> thanks as always for listening, and uh, we promise to try to not talk about the Dolphins next week. Although uh, the trade deadline might make it inevitable. 